Welcome back to the Nothing to Something podcast with me, your host, Mark McLaren. This is the podcast that was created to give you guys an insight into the lives and the minds of high performers from every walk of life. Please like, share, and most importantly, subscribe to ensure you receive all the future content and to ensure that we continue to produce it. Now, this week's guest is bringing a wealth of knowledge in areas which most of us can benefit from. If you're somebody who's ever thought enough is enough, I want to transform the way I look and feel, then this is for you. Please welcome to the podcast, Transformation Specialist, Ataza Farouk. Zaza, welcome to the Nothing to Something podcast. How are you? Pleasure to be here. Very well. Very well. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you, mate. Thanks for coming on. We've got a bit of history, me and you. We go way back. Um, I will paint a bit of a picture for the listeners for a bit of context before we move forward. So me and Ataza met back in 2018, 19, am I right in saying? Um, Crazy to say that, right? Yeah, yeah, time's flown. Uh, we worked together in um, a very busy, very high-profile Manchester City centre gym, um, and the rest is history. Um, saying that, we've not spoken in quite a while. Good catch-up to have today. We've both gone in slightly different directions, but made some progress nonetheless, which is which is what matters above all else. 100%. It's funny because I, when I met you, I was 21, and uh, like... You have you I kind of mentioned in this podcast, but like that was like a big role model figure like back in the day. So it's uh, got a lot to thank you for, but also taking a lot to yourself as well. I'll just say that from like the get go. Oh, massive, massive thank you, mate. Appreciate that. Right. Let's get straight into it. Who is Atala Farouk? See, it's, that's like the hardest question you can answer and stuff, trying to figure out. But in terms of who I am, if I like pay what I do, and then kind of like some of the characteristics, I'd say someone that's just curious. I think curiosity is like one of my main drivers in terms of how good things can get. So whether that applies in like work, relationships, social, personal life, is a curiosity factor. So I think I've got like someone that's got a lot of childlike curiosity. And then in terms of what I do, I'm an online transformation coach and we help men and women around the world get into great shape as well as kind of use the body as a vehicle to unlock the doors and have a new foot on the parts of their life. So whether it's career, family life, personal life, whatever success looks like for them, but use their body as the driver. So we do that in terms of coaching, but in terms of back to me, it's just someone that's like curious in terms of what else is out there and someone's got like childlike curiosity. Mega, absolutely mega. The childlike curiosity, not just curiosity, but the childlike curiosity, as you put it there, mate, such, so pivotal to everything. I've got two kids and one of which very young and even my eldest is nine now. And the curiosity is absolutely huge. It's how they learn. It's how they grow. It's how they make their mistakes. Obviously, you don't want them to be too curious around hot things or sharp things because that could end in disaster. Well, that curiosity, that childlike curiosity factor is essential for growth. And that doesn't stop. We see it with the kids, but you go into adult life and the moment you stop being curious and wondering how that works and how that person got to that status and that sort of thing is when we start to retract and we stop growing. So I absolutely love that. That's a big factor in who you are. It's uh, it's because like you know when you kind of look at it like when you grow up you have and you accumulate some written beliefs and like I'm always trying to like identify what it is so I can break it out so I'm always trying to do things that goes against what I believe to be true like 
I'm not sure if you read the book The Obstacle is Away by Ryan Holiday. You probably have actually. I think I might see it in the deck behind I'm you. Not, I'm not actually. No, I'll, I'll make you note of that one. Is it good? Yeah. like the driver of my last two years in terms of what I wanted to do. And I was like, don't think I can do that. And now it's the goal because I really want to make it happen so I can go against it. It's like, how can you break down limiting beliefs? Because if you think of like the world, like childlike curiosity, it was a curiosity compared to childlike, it's like completely different. Childlike is curious, curiosity without limit beliefs. And that's something that I'm always trying to like pick out. And there's always new and newer ones, right? But I'm mm-hmm. always like, they don't even believe I can't do this or this can't work. Let's back yourself and make it happen. So that's been like huge. Yeah, huge. It's always been my mind. It's probably my lots of my wallpaper as well. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> those limiting beliefs, it's sad. It really is. Without going too deep too soon, it really is sad to see people with those locked into place. We could put a lot of fingers at where the to blame, where the blame comes from, and it, you could say society, it's it's the culture, it's the people you're around. They say you become the, the the sum of the people around you and that sort of thing. So breaking those limiting beliefs is absolutely huge, and I'm sure we'll get into what, exactly what it is you do in terms of transformation and fat loss, etc. In a minute, how pivotal is that to you getting results with your clients? Um, I think a lot of it is like I always find that the, the body always stays behind the mind and. Like if you think on the surface level, like to get in really, really great shape, it's like training, nutrition, a lot of walking, a lot of sleep. Like that's the basics and that everything else you can dress it up. But it's in that sense, it's like you can really like tell how far someone's gonna get just by where the mind is at. And like the first 30 days of our culture program, like the conversation we have um, is not just about training and nutrition, it's like higher level thinking because I always find like at so your body's always gonna stay behind your mind, it's never gonna surpass it. So, like, if you find you're moving your mind forward and you're, like, person developing, you end up finding, like, this physical, like, growth that comes with it. So I think it's probably number one as opposed to, like, the things you need to do in terms of calories, training, etc. I think if someone hasn't worked on their mind enough, that's going to obviously get to a place where it's going to be limiting factor rather than what workouts they do or what diet they do. So I think that's probably mm-hmm. number one right away. Nice. Nice. No, I love that. I love that. And I love that synergy between the two. I think there's a massive synergy between the two. Um oh. And we'll get into that as we get into exactly what it is you do in a minute. So before we get into the coaching aspects, I touched on a little bit before the fact that we worked together in a gym a number of years ago now. Yeah. We, I was the gym manager at the time. You were coaching clients, uh, amongst other things. I know you were juggling a few different things and, and spinning a few plates. Um, just talk us through your journey to date. So it's not always been just transformation. It's not always been the fitness industry, the leisure industry. It's not always been coaching people, has it? It's so I actually worked and studied maths in university, so I worked in finance from like an early upbringing. And where everything started was um, I've always been like in that I, growing up, I was overweight. You can't, you can't really tell I was overweight until you like take it off. You know, the type of gal where it's like, oh, you look great. And then you're like, actually, you should see what's down there in that sense. I've always been that guy and like a lack of confidence. The training has always been there for me. And it only started to stem when I came to university. And actually, that very slowly started to pull me into the industry. Uh, yeah, when university, I was like, there's two parts, parts, types of tribes. There's like social, partying, enjoying university. And tribe two was like training, I found. And I was somewhat in both. But then over time, I gravitated more towards training and development. So I think that was like, I found eventually I started getting myself around people that were going to fitness a lot of conversation around fitness. I was like pretty much obsessed with fitness overall. And uh, back of that was where we started. But then it wasn't until year three, I went to China and that was my first time abroad. And it was for a year. And 
when I went to China, that was at the time where I had 12 months literally alone trying to figure my thing out. I was doing, I was studying about there as well. So I studied maths and economics back then, but that was the first year where I really had like a lot of time in solitude and I really had time to think. And there'd be parts where I was like, I want to do this, I want to do that. But I just really finally came back to like fitness a lot of times. And as soon as I came back from China, I was like, right, I'm just going to make this work. There's nothing to lose but everything to gain. I'm going to actually get qualified. So got qualified, went to NASM, um, went into speak to Martin Love, if he's listening to this. And uh, he was like, yeah, let's do it. I had a level two at that time. Obviously, I had like a month to get started, got my level three afterwards. And uh, started in Kyojin Springfields, which is where I met yourself. And then from there, I think my first two years, being completely transparent, I just wasn't growth driven. I was just there to have a great time, you could say. I wasn't really like sure why what I was doing, why I was doing it, um, where the future was going to be. And I think over time, I found that. But like my first two years of PT, I can ha- like hold my hand up and say, actually, I wasn't taking that seriously as I should have. But then I learned that was because of I wasn't pushing growth. I was just kind of getting very complacent very easily. And it wasn't until year three where actually, I think there's like a, a moment where I was like, I think that time I spent in solitude, I need that again because that was the biggest thing. So I kind of like separated from everything and got more into the online. So whilst I was doing PT to kind of run back, I was working in finance and I was studying um, my last year in university. And over time, that's kind of like had it where I just got a little bit more curious, had my own personal transformation journey, had my own coach. And that then led me to want to be a coach. But then after that, it was like, it wasn't until my third year in personal training where I actually wanted to take things seriously. Uh, COVID happened, went online got a lot of clients online, pretty much gave everything to me, didn't speak to friends, family, had a social life for two years afterwards. And uh, that is where I was like, I just need to make this work. There's nothing that's going to get in the way. Hired coaches, mentors, and from there, it's uh, here we are today. But I think COVID was like the catalyst for me. And that was also when I started to get into an environment of like seeking support and wanting to be around people that are doing, doing what I want to do and learning from them. And since then, I've probably invested pretty much everything back into the business and myself to grow even further. So, um, you've come a long way. You've come a long way, man. You really have. Um, credit to what you've done for what you've achieved so far. And I know you're not finished by any means. You're still a baby in comparison to, to old gentlemen like myself. Um, <laughs> a couple of bits to take away from that. The solitude thing, first and foremost. I'm big into that. I'm big into that. I kind of, I've touched on the podcast a couple of times in sort of where I came from in sort of the other side of life, as I'll call it. Um, being on the naughty side before I went on the straight and narrow. Coming out of that, solitude was huge for me. Obviously, family is everything to me. But in terms of my personal growth and finding out what it is I wanted to do, in terms of even finding out who I was and what my values and principles were and what I stood for, it all kind of came behind closed doors in a quiet room on my own, do you know what I mean? It, was, it sounds very dramatic, like it'd be in a movie and it'd be very dark and dull. And But <laughs> a lot happens when you're away from the noise, especially in the current day where we've got social media from all angles, everybody's barking and shouting, there's so many things going on. It's hard to just find that solitude. So it's great to hear you say that and it carried you a long, long way. The flip it's... side of that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot here now, how important is, is the, right, the right pair groups? Because oh, again, back to my past and my upbringing, I was around... You name it, all sorts of people from all walks of life that were maybe looked at on the corner of your eye in case you catch eye contact. And then the flip side of that, on the other side of the solitude, being around people who were driven, who were ambitious, who were working harder than me. And it's not often I'll say that nowadays because I'll always say I'm the hardest worker in the room. 
when you're around people who push you to do more, oh, it's a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. And I think that was quite clear to see with yourself. The early days you talked about there, you were kind of ambling around, you had another job on the side. The peer groups you were around with were kind of probably having a bit of fun. Yeah, but yeah. then it seemed you drifted away to more serious, a more serious culture, more serious peer group, and people were really driven. And the next time I seen you, your name was almost in lights, mate. So how important do you find that that peer group? Oh, it's probably, I think I was thinking about this. I think this is like one thing I'm always trying to double down. And I think the best way to put it is like, when someone asks how, how important is it to surround yourself around people, I always think it's like, your thoughts aren't your thoughts is either something you've seen, been told, experienced or witnessed. And when like you really think of that, it's kind of coming back to that limiting beliefs. Your limiting beliefs depend on the people you hang around. Um, and you'll find now there's different levels to it. So like, I actually always set goals in terms of like what, how, who do I want to be around and I actually get very, very specific at the start of the year and they always come true, which is quite crazy. Um, and I'm always trying to find now, like not thinking what do I need to do, but who's doing it and I can live it, that's living it and breathing that I can learn from. So I think if there's anyone listening to this and it's probably advice I give to myself consistently, it's like who you're around is going to dictate where you're going to get to. And I used to hear that. I was all the time and I was like, oh, that's bullshit, doesn't matter. These people are great. I love these people. I'm going to stay with them. And then over time, it was actually, that couldn't be more than the truth. So it's even conversations with my mentor, Charlie, and it's like the things we have we speak about is completely different. And every time you come out of it, you're like, I want to take on the world. Whereby sometimes you have a conversation for the sake of a conversation and it's just different. I think for anyone now that really wants to strive for progress, and I'd say this is probably my number one thing I've done over the last, two years really uh was getting around those people um again coming back to solitude spent a lot of time by myself very selective but then i just found naturally when you work on yourself uh when you go down that path you just find others going down that path because you're on the same road and then the more further you go you meet other people as well but i think it's just that um you need to be around people that get it as opposed to people that don't get it and that's the biggest thing 100 so, couldn't agree more really couldn't agree more Fantastic. Right. We're going to get into into yourself, into the coaching, into the method, coaching, into the transformations. Again, going back to what we just talked about there and working together previously, I've been gym management as well as PT and and multi-site gym management. I've come across dozens, probably hundreds of PTs over the years that I've worked with. Um, And not many have the confidence or the ability to brand themselves as a transformation specialist or a fat loss specialist or someone who can achieve those results of before and after. I know we see it on Instagram now and again, it's like before and after and you're like, Jesus, you, <laughs> my friend, have achieved that. I'm looking on your socials and the before and afters are very, very impressive. So it's, yeah, it's testament to what you're doing. It's obviously working. Talk us through the brand. Talk us through who it's for and who can benefit from it. So the method coaching is... Something I've actually just only branded over the last, it was last October actually, so 12 months ago. And the reason was because I want something bigger than me. So that was the reason behind the brand. I knew the the message behind the brand as well, which I'll dive into. Um, the method coaches are someone that's men or women that want to transform the body and use the body as a vehicle to drive success elsewhere. And I think the elsewhere is the biggest thing. I think like we don't want to be just the guy that's just fitness training six times a week in the gym you know doesn't have social life doesn't have time away from fitness doesn't have anything going on like that used to be me and i don't want that for anyone else because it's like there's always something missing there's always something complete so like 
over these years, I've kind of found my values is actually how can you use the body as the the multiplier in life. And for me, like my number one thing now in terms of fitness is to use it to be my higher self in terms of coaching. So that's my why, but fitness is the vehicle. So like I always, the guys we coach, they have goals elsewhere, but they want to use a minimalist strategy to get into really, really great shape. And when I say really great shape, it's like kind of past what they think they can do. Um, but then after when they achieve that, it's like a cascade of benefits after that. So um, I've seen a lot of guys over the years that came from a place where they've been trying for 30, 40 years and getting into great shape, working with PCs. And uh, like, it's just, they have a limiting belief that, ah, it's just, that's just not for me. And then when you change that and you get into like, whether it's a six pack cover model shape, you know, flat abs, um, then they're like, oh, that's achievable. And because you've had to do something you've not done before, you end up starting to like think that way in other parts of your life. And then you start to be like, oh, cool. I've worked in this job for a while. I've never really chased growth. Let's push it even further. So it's like people that want to use fitness as like the gateway for success in other parts of their life. It's like that's the mission. That's who we work with. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I know there's going to be some people's ears pricking up there. Uh, we will put the socials and the contacts out at the end of the podcast as well. So stay tuned until the end. No credit for what you're doing, man. And a lot of that resounds with myself. Um, so seeing the clients, seeing the larger demographic, we're seeing especially commercial gyms um, and professional people who want to get in shape and find that balance between fitness, healthy body, healthy mind, and also professional life. I get it. I get it. I see those people around me. I know people who are doing very well professionally or financially and then aren't in the best of shape. And whenever they try to do it, they don't get results very quickly and then it falls by the wayside. Interesting yeah. to see there that you said a bit of a minimal, minimalist approach as well. Yeah. So a lot of people, there'll still be some hard work involved in that, just a disclaimer there. But that'll be music to a lot of people's ears, that you don't have to eat just chicken and broccoli, that it doesn't have to be 20,000 steps a day every day and you have to go to the gym at 5 a.m. in the morning. It can be tailored to your own approach and, and what you're trying to achieve. So, um, mate, that's been, that's been, where did it all start? Where did the idea come from that? How do you get from going from a commercial PT into transformation specialist? Yeah, so I think my first, it's like a bit of a background. I used to take on anyone and everyone. I was like, if you, you know, if you're into fitness, you're a client straight away. And I think that's probably something I'd say you want to be a generalist initially. And that's probably the biggest thing. Um, but over time, you start to like find clients that are similar to you that have a lot of like similar values. So I think eventually when you start to like grow in terms of who you are, your clients grow with you. And that always continues to go on. So I found for me, it was like, anyone and everyone until actually I started growing and I started really doubling down in terms of this avenue in terms of what fitness meant for me and how it complemented my values and I found the similar clients grew with that and then eventually came into the brand um I think the thing that actually made me like really should make the shift over and like make it very very clear was my first big client result um and like the benefits of other parts of his life I've literally got the messages I think it's probably pinned on my Instagram post but like he went from trying for like 30, 40 years and he was in a career. He was like the person that he actually said this to me. I know he actually loved for me to speak about it because uh, we have a lot of conversations about it. But like he was always like in the same career for like a very, very long time. And he works in the police. And then eventually, just from like his body transformation, he went into like some high level promotions, like special forces. Freaking crazy. And I was like, that's so crazy. I get into this physique and doing all the hard work that's associated with it had that benefit. So then I realized every other client started to message the similar things that like, actually I've got better work performance. I'm in a better place in terms of career, started my own job, but a lot of clients that actually become PTs and which is crazy as well. And it's like, 
that step. I'm like, actually, this is like the gateway to that. So it actually made it very, very clear. As soon as I got the few results, I started to have like a bit more into that. That was it. And then I think for me, it was just like, I've always held development as my number one thing, like training and like physique and mindset means a lot to me. And I found once I grew and I realized for myself, I just found other people that were just very, very similar to my values. And I was like, this is exactly what I do. So nice, nice. And super rewarded. Absolutely super rewarded. Um, what does the future look like? Where are you trying to take it? What's the plan? So five years, 10 years, what these, what's the time for you thinking? Are we thinking? Even bigger? You tell me, you tell me. It's, um, I'd, I'd be think, interesting for me to see how, how fast we're going to scale. Um, the goal is by 2030 is to have, like, there's obviously numerical values you can touch it to, but we want to have a global brand. And, like, what we want to do is, like, make it so it's not just a local reach, um, but we want to make it, like, it's global. That's the biggest thing I'm really trying to focus on right now, to have it where um, a lot of my clients are in the U.S. anyways, so, like, we've got a 50-50 split, U.K. and U.S., I don't have that one. I want to have that even bigger. I would say, so I want to take the message and like pretty much make it worldwide. And I want to do as much as I can to get that there. And as well as that, I want to take on coaches. Uh, I've already got a few, but I want to build the team up as well and have them be like the pinnacle of like, the industry. That's the goal. So myself, um, coaches side to side, as opposed to below me, I want them to be equal. Um, and I want to have that as like the North Star in terms of like, people that want to use minimalist strategies to get in really great shape, but also do it in a place where it multiplies other parts of their life and just have a global impact. Um, the goal is to have by 2030 is work of a thousand clients additional. Um, so we've got six years, seven years to do that. So nice, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. For anyone who's listening, it's not on YouTube. I'm clapping, making some more noise with that. <laughs> I mean, that's epic. I love that for a number of reasons. Number one, I'm very ambitious and driven myself, but your level of clarity there and what it is you're going to achieve, and it's not what you want. You will achieve it. You will achieve it. It's just a matter of time. But that level of clarity is what most people lack, understanding exactly where it is they want to go and what they want to achieve in the future. So that's uh, that's music to my ears, that, mate. And you will get there. You will get there. So congratulations on what you've done so far, mate. Um, sort of, we'll delve into a few of the nuances within the industry, and I'm sure what you're using in your current uh, method coaching at the moment. So the people who are listening here can take some stuff away because you're a transformation specialist, you're a fat loss specialist, all of the above. And most people who are probably listening to this and most people who go to the gym, the, the um, more generalized dem- demographic of commercial gyms, probably still struggle a little bit with doing the basics because not lack of information. In my eyes, there's too much information. You don't know who yeah. to trust. There's too many people out there. You type into Google, I'll go on social media and put in fat loss or personal trainer and you get all sorts of weird and wonderful and people doing bench presses upside down with a roller on the shoulder and, oh, mate, the world's gone mad. The world's gone absolutely mad. So we're going to give some 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 good takeaways now. Yeah. Um, I'll uh, add on to what you said there about you can go on social media and you can see a lot of um, different things, different opinions. One person can say, this is the argument for, the other one against, so you're like, I'm not sure what I want to do because like, if you think of it now with the algorithm and how social media works, if you're the same, you're not going to stand out, so you need to be different to stand out. Um, so it's like, actually, if you're going to play the game, sadly, you have to be controversial and make people want to be like, uh, you know, like Marmite, love it or leave it. And that's where mm-hmm. it gets very confusing because that's like, if you post the same as everyone else, you sound like everyone else, to so some degree, you have to kind of like, not be better, but you need to be different. And one thing I just want to share with you with that is kind of similar, related, but not related. 
uh, my mentor, um, I remember one time we were in a group call, it was like a part of a mastermind, and he asked everyone, this super blank, it was like, all right, so who's the best PT here? Everyone was like, that's a hard question there. And he's like, go on, I'm waiting, put one in the chat if you're the best one here. And nobody put them one in the chat because it's like, nobody wants to be the first. And then he's like, ah, so you all do the same thing then. And he's having a laugh and it goes somewhere. It's like the best lesson I've learned. And he's like, all right, cool. Put one in the chat if you put squats in your program. Put a one. Put one in the chat if you put deadlifts in the program. Everyone put a one. Chin-ups, most people put a one. Push-ups, most people put a one. He's like, ah, so you all do the same thing then. And then everyone's like, oh, shit. And then he was like, ah, see, the point I'm trying to get is, is easier to be different than it is to be better so you don't need to be better than anyone else you need to be different right so that's my biggest lesson that i've learned this year is like you're not trying to be the same you're trying to be different but then that ties into the controversies well at the same time with social media that's a good yeah, nice. <laughs> nice no i like that i like that for sure for sure we'll get into the coaching and mentoring stuff in a second because i'm very aware that you're talking about your coach um i have a coach Hi. i have a performance coach um, some of the highest performers I've known, a lot of the people who are on the podcast who are smashing it, whether physically, mentally, financially, professionally, all have coaches. Whereas people sort of frown upon coaches, probably at not a lower level, I'm not saying anybody's better than anybody else, but the fact that successful, high-performing people have coaches is a bit of a... It's more than a coincidence, let's put it that way. Um, before we get into that, we will jump into some takeaways. So, Run us through some fundamentals for fat loss. So people are out here, they've looked online, they've done the Atkins and they've done no-carb diet and there's all sorts of madness going on. What's some fundamentals for fat loss? Um, first was going to understand the nutrition pyramid. Um, and most people think calories comes first. I disagree. I think lifestyle consistency comes first. So if you look at the pyramid in terms of fundamentals, the first thing is to understand the pyramid. So consistency and lifestyle first. How can you get to a good baseline? Just that if you get to a good baseline, even on your worst days, you don't fall below that. So I think understanding how to maintain is the first thing you want to do in terms of like knowing fat loss, which is the first step. From there, it's going to be like calories. Um, and this, I think, to some degree, people can make it hard by focusing on the wrong things. But at the forefront now, if you're in a calorie deficit, you're going to lose weight and energy is going to be lost from somewhere and it's going to have to be the stored energy. Right. So that's the second thing. Um, that goes into that <clears throat> and then I think the biggest thing I'd say for anyone now and I've learned this over the years is like when it comes to training it's going to be a case of if you can train as if you're trying to build muscle then you're going to burn the most body fat because I've found now like a lot of people go towards cardio hits classes <clears throat> things to burn calories but they don't understand how the body works and they don't understand if you train to build muscle actually what's going to happen is you're going to use your diet to lose body fat and train to build muscle at the same time so you're in that place where you can get the benefits of both if you get stronger over time. So then if I bring it back to that, it's going to be lifestyle consistency. That's number one. Um, calories and macros. Then you're going to focus on your training to get stronger. And that's like the three basics. The fourth one, if I had to add a fourth one, is like identity shift. I always think not what do I want to do, but who do I need to become? Um, that was my biggest turning point. I was spending seven, eight years training before. I didn't see any results. But as far as I suddenly start to see like, who I wanted to become because I had a uh, mentor for the first time. I was like, that's exactly who I want to, who I want to be. So, and uh, it's funny actually when I said that, is actually I remember you were that probably the first person I really looked up to. Because uh, I remember you used to be in like 5 a.m. training and then you have to go to the gym, you had a family, you had the balance, which I was like, I really look up to that. So I think that was like 
I want to be like that. I'm like, I want to get that gravitational pull because when you become that person, you have a gravitational pull with the results that you get. Um, and that was the fourth thing. I know you asked for three, but I'll give it four. And I mean, that, oh, so I love that. I love that. Some great points there as well. And thank you. I'm flattered, by the way. Um, <laughs> so I need somebody to listen to something I've said at some point in life. I can, um, I can rest easy now. Um, <laughs> some fundamentals there, some absolute fundamentals, mate. Um, yeah, very interesting in my view to see, obviously, with industry experience as well, that you put the lifestyle thing at the top. Um, we know the calories are obviously a big factor, calories and macros, um, calories in versus calories out being in a calorie deficit. But the lifestyle being at the top, love that, love that. Yeah. Um, I say that often, not just in relation to, to fitness and well-being, but you have to become the person rather than just achieve the goal. You have to yeah. become the sort of person who achieves the goal, in essence. Um with those that you've just given there, mate, would you advise to your average person who's right, I've had enough, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to get in shape, do you advise calorie tracking? Um, see, over the years I've worked with like, I think we've worked with 300 people over the last two years and the thing I've realised was like, most, I kind of get to know someone just by looking at them, what their schedule is going to be. So, and then I think people go into calorie tracking before they know what their schedule needs to be like. So I think before we even jump into that, they need to know what a perfect day in the life in terms of food, the looks of the life looks like before they even focus on the numbers. Um, a lot of our guys don't calorie track until the last 10 weeks, really. Uh, the dietings are like, like the, most, the first six months, they may not even track at all. They don't need to. They can get really, really great results. Then after that, it's like, cool, from, to get from a good place to a far better place, let's really look at the specifics because then we can mm-hmm. turn the dial up very, very specific with that. But I think for like the average person now, if you're just starting, um, things such as like, meal timing, meal frequency, um, schedule optimization, and then using things that's gonna save you time in terms of meal prep. So the one thing that I do is like, with our guys, the first meal, the last meal is like three minute meals, that four ingredient meals, super easy, tastes really good. That's kind of like a bread and butter because we refocus on minimalism. Then lunch and dinner, this is a very good tip for a lot of people is like, today's today's tonight's dinner, maybe that's tomorrow's lunch and automate that for years and years, like time to come. So if you have a stir fry tonight, you have a stir fry for lunch tomorrow, and then you're going to cook one today. Like if you really look at that, that's a very basic thing. So breakfast and lunch, uh, breakfast and the closing meal, the last meal, I try to like make that very very simple. Then lunch and dinner, you just automate. That's the best thing I can say. Something before they even get to calorie tracking. Then from there, if you're going to get to from a good place to a far better place, then you can obviously get more specific and get into calorie tracking. Nice, nice. Love the efficiency with that there. Um... <laughs> What are some of the worst things we can do? So what, what do we not want to be doing fundamentally? Um, I'll speak this from personal experience and tell, like speaking about clients that have made mistakes as well is being stuck in one phase forever, not understanding what the future looks like in terms of it, like their physique. So like a few principles I like to say is like if you're stuck in dieting year round, it's not working, you need to do something else. So like what we like to do with our guys is like eight months of the year, they're not dieting. Forms the day is very specific dieting because diet consistency is actually easier when you're not spending your entire life dieting, but you're just like short, sharp, shot in the arm. Let's get, you know, let's go through this phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, four months is just a number, it can be longer, it can be shorter, but I think the first thing I say you, do, you don't want to do is stay in one phase forever, whereas you're always building muscle, you're always dieting. Uh, your body needs to change in different ways and be pushed and pulled um, to get the results they're after. So you want to map out to four months. Um, what that looks like and then stick to your guns with what you say you're going to do. Nice. Nice. Good stuff. Um, we'll do some myth busting while we're here as well. What, what, what are some of the yeah. common myths? Because we've, we've obviously been in the, the industry a long, long time between us and we do hear some crazy stuff. Are you going to get fat if you eat after nine o'clock at night or, or, 
whatever the curfew yeah. is. 100%. Yeah, is that, is that it? You're gonna pile, pile the pounds on. You're gonna wake up a different person. Right. <laughs> it's uh like I always like like this is probably the best thing I could say in the farm. This works extremely well. Uh, most diets fail because all the hours between six to nine p.m. that someone gets home, they're stressed, they haven't prepared the dinner, uh, they raid the cupboards, and they just emotionally eat because of a stressful day. Um, so I actually like to do it as like you've got a lot of carbs in the evening, especially pre-bed. Like you may have like some carbs and protein pre-bed, like an hour and a half, two hours before to digest it for better sleep. Um, so in terms of like if you are going to get fat if you eat after a certain time or if you eat after 9 p.m., I actually like to recommend to all of our guys having like a closing meal because this helps consistency. It helps remove that binge, which a lot of guys tend to do. They hit the fucking point in the evening, they're like, okay, tomorrow. And um, sorry about that, I just cancelled the event. <laughs> And I think that's going to be the main thing. So in terms of that post, it matters what you do over 24 hours. It doesn't matter what time of protein you get. Um, you know, how many, It doesn't matter what your protein timing is, your meal timing is. It just matters that what happens in 24 hours. But from a consistency factor for most people, they can do very, very well with carbs pre-bed, especially to remove any aftermath in terms of stressful eating. Um, I always recommend yeah. that to most people. Yeah, no, that's very nice. I know a lot of people will relate to that, myself included. It's easy to just, especially when you've got the kids and you start to sit down in the evening and you put a movie on and you start eating the kids' scraps and there's an ice cream. Yeah, I'm with you. So that's a good approach. That's a good approach. No, fantastic there, mate. Right, so moving away from some of the, the industry secrets there, as I know that people can take and run with, and a little bit more into you. So we'll go a little bit deep before we get into the fun to close things out. So what's your why? You probably remember this from back in the day when, when we worked together all them years ago. All them years ago, I was driven by why. Simon Sinek, the book, Start With Why. Um, I'm a huge person on why because you alluded to the fact there that for years now, I've been getting up at 5 a.m., training every single morning. I, for a prolonged period now, I've trained seven days a week because I know I need to get it in and it gets me right in my head right. And I wouldn't be able to do all of that without having a why, a reason why. Especially now, we're in Manchester, it's October. It's cold and dark in the morning, you know, mate. If I didn't have a why, that warm bed one would outweigh me getting up and uh, and getting to the gym at 5am. So what's your why? Um, I think my why has changed over time. If I bring it back to why I push myself now is because I want to provide opportunities for people that helped me growing up. Um, so a bit of a backstory. This time last year, um, I was going to get pretty deeper. So... I've never really lost anyone in my life. And last year, it was on the 14th of October, I lost my grandma, who was like a second mum to me. And my mum was a full-time carer for her. So my mum had jobs, but she was like pretty much always supporting the family. And then last year, as soon as my grandma passed away, obviously she didn't get the benefits of like the payments and everything like that. So then that was like the best thing I, the best thing that I ever did was actually to like as she was like, oh I need to go back to work, super stressed. She's lost like her mom and everything like that. And uh, it was like the best thing I did then was actually be like, no, you'd have to go back to work because pay your salary and you're taking care of. And now she doesn't have to work. Amazing. It's the best thing I ever did. And I was, I was like, that was one of my goals to do before I was 14. I did when I was 24. It was like the best thing that happened. And being able to like, help other people now, because my needs are met. I'm a very basic person. If you give me a coffee, uh, let me go like shorts, I'm not working and um like a nice living condition like a super basic apartment or like a place that's me done forever like it's so crazy and then purpose with that as well like coaching <clears throat> but like for me now is like to actually help my family and 
provide them a future to be like that. And then now I want to also then build my team up um, and like get winners. That's my thing now in terms of like being, being able to do that. But then I think that's related to business personally. Um, this gets me really, really helpful for listeners to know because that's this is like a really big breakthrough moment for me. It's like there's five human drivers that motivates anyone. So anyone that's lost is going to come back to these five. There's passion, there's curiosity, there's autonomy, um, there's mastery and purpose. And mine is going to be more so related to, there's different parts where you have a bit of either, but right now it's curiosity. Um, <clears throat> that's really driving me more than anything else right now. Um, just be like, what can we do? What can we take? Um, like I've actually got affirmations in my room that says work isn't work for me anymore. It's a form of self-expression and a form of curiosity. And that's my drive for business more than anything else. Love that. Love that. No, mate, yeah. that's absolutely mega. Um, condolences on the loss of you, Grandma. Um, loss is hard. It's, yeah, it's uh, and almost to the year as well. So, yeah, anniversary as of last week from recording the podcast, mate. What you've done there for your mum, epic, epic. There's, there's a few rounds of applause that's going on on this one, you know. Mate, that's um, absolutely amazing. I think that's something anyone who is values morals in the right place and has got a good family relationship dreams of doing something like that so mate fair play fair play that's absolutely the top job Appreciate and then i also i love your quote there and i love that you've broken it down into the into the fundamentals of, of the way we work speaks volumes about yourself absolutely does yep. i am somebody who didn't really realize until i went down the coaching and mentoring route myself that i've always gravitated back towards supporting people so the PT turned into coaching, turned into performance and life coaching, turned into management and, and leadership roles, everything. So even what I've just moved into in a moment, now in financial services, providing life insurance and that sort of thing, because I've seen the impact that not having that can have on the people around me. And it's another facet that supports people. Um, so I've got a hell of a lot of, of admiration yeah. for what you've just said there, mate. Um it's not more, it doesn't mean everybody has to do that, but I think it's, it's very, very rewarding. It, it's something that you don't necessarily force yourself to do. It just happens. You can tell you're someone that does that. And I think um, you find your values and not necessarily about telling your values, but just how, how what would someone else say about you in third person, right? So like if someone else had to describe you, you can just tell what your values are. So like someone that spends a lot of time helping people because they spend a lot of time there, they clearly have to value it. Someone that... I spend a lot of time working out, they value working out. Someone that like, spend a lot of time at work, but they say they value family, but they don't spend time with family. Actually, the actions speak different to the words. So I think your values kind of like show where you spend most of your time and like who you are and what other people say about you as opposed to what you say. Um, I realized that for myself, it was only two months ago when I was like, shit, I'm actually someone that actually cares more about other people than myself right now. And uh, my schedule is always around the client calls. I'm like, guys, if you need a call, I'm there 24 hours. I don't know why I hold myself as that to that. And um, I realized this two months ago. So it was in, I was at a physique camp in Bali. I'm not sure if you saw the story. And there was, there was a part, it was basically like seven days with very, very incredible coaches. Uh, it's like proper military camp, wake up at 4 a.m., train at 6 till 10, like proper, like, like really strong meals in terms of food quality. And then just like, lectures from like one till four and then evening is up to you but it was like you wake up before you've got 12 hours of development then six hours of relax seven days a week um there's a part now where there's a lady that came in there and in the evenings we went for meals out and she was older than everyone else and she kind of didn't know anyone else as well i didn't know anyone else but i just connected with everyone but because they were my age and she was like, i think she's in her 50s and 
there's a part nine in the evening. I think it's the second evening. I just, I, everyone's part of the table. There's like table here for, table there for, table there for, table there for. And I just looked back and I was like, she's sitting by herself. And I just said to everyone, guys, I'm just going to go sit there. And they just sat there and started, you know, proper nice conversation. She sat there because just, I don't like people feeling isolation. I want to help people out when they ever feel like it. Because I felt out previously. I was like, nobody gets it. I feel alone. And I didn't even have to think twice. I was like, I'm going to sit there and just kind of just casual. And then um, later on, someone was like, oh, that's a very good thing you did there. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, I didn't have to think twice about it. And I just sat there. She was like by alone. She was like, oh, thanks for coming out. I said, like, oh, I know. It's cool. I just want to speak. And uh, it's just like everyone was just there doing their own thing, having a great time. And just went there to chill. And I was like, actually, I don't like people feeling by themselves. And I don't like people feeling like there's no help. Mm. Um, that was me. Yeah. Naturally gravitate towards it. Kudos, man. Yes, sir. Right. Let's just, before we move on, let's go back to this coaching and mentoring thing we touched on briefly. So, High performers within any given field, yourself, myself, other previous guests, we look out into the wider horizon and people are absolutely smashing life. There is a common theme a lot of the time here in that these people have some sort of mental, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, performance coaching, as I said, I've got performance and success coach. Um, Why is that? What's your take? Um, I think my answer's changed over time, but for me now it's... My my biggest turning point was having someone believe me for the first time, and I genuinely seen that. Um, I literally remember having a call like two years, three years ago. My first like mentor that changed everything for me was like, he was like, "Dude, you're gonna get, you're gonna get there." And like, he's like, "I've got no doubt you're gonna get there." And for someone to say that, and someone to have believed in me more than I ever did, was like the biggest thing that ever mattered. Um, and it just kind of led the way because it was like I had limiting beliefs, and then I actually had to have someone challenge them for the first time as opposed to accept them. And I think mentoring, if you really put it into perspective, it's like someone, that, someone that's been there and done it and you're going to learn from the mistakes. And then a mentor can also be a coach where a coach is very curious in terms of how they can make you better and they get very like, they challenge you to actually pull out the best. Um, I think it's highly pivotal because now I think you can't, you can't, you have to stand on the shoulder of giants to build yourself up and it's the fastest way to get there and you're either going to pay with time or invest it into mental and i'd rather pay with the investments as opposed to time and i don't want to get to like 30 years from now i'd be like oh, I, sh- I wish i didn't just you know step over dollar bills pick up nickels right so it's like i i say that for someone now like it doesn't matter what you know it matters who you know and who you know could be the person that influences you right now um i think mentors is pretty like is a superpower and like now you don't have to figure things out because people are literally there their life mission is to help you out and i think it's like the biggest gift we have massively um for someone Love that's it. had a mentor himself i think you probably agree with that as well so 100 aligned absolutely 100 aligned and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a coach myself i'm a performance coach myself and supporting people which started within the organization which i've worked for now for almost eight years and then went solo and went outside of work self-employed in a small business amongst other things People say to me, you're a coach. You've got a coach. Yeah, so somebody's coaching the coaches and that goes on and on and on. And my coach will have someone he looks up to if he doesn't directly coach him. And again, it's like you just said there, having someone that, number one, believes in you unequivocally, who will ask the right questions. And coaching, by definition, is someone who will ask the right questions and allow you to find the answers within yourself. Um, Absolutely, it's been priceless for me. And I am still a work in progress. I don't think I'm anything near my potential but I'm working towards that month to month with the coach that I've got at the moment so anyone out there who's thinking about it 
I love series. Not necessarily with us. We're open, <laughs> but with anyone who you think can help you become a better version of yourself. I was actually ask you a question there, and it's your podcast, but I'm also probably going to say selfishly and also for the audience. Uh, for you now, what's one thing you're trying to work on for yourself? I am. I'm trying to find moments, Taza, without going too deep. I am somebody who is massively ambitious, and I've said this on the podcast before. I think my biggest thing, and the older I get, is to try and fulfil my potential. Do everything I can do to try and fulfil my potential. And I've, I've told the old fable previously about reaching the pearly gates and the big man opening the door and saying, Mark, I'm God before I let you in. I want to show you what you could have become if you would have applied yourself. That's my worst nightmare, my absolute worst nightmare. So I'm trying to give it my all to try and see what I can achieve. Now, the flip side of that is that I am a fiancé soon-to-be husband. I'm about to marry the woman of my dreams next month. I've got two kids who are very demanding at nine and, and 20 months, and I need to input into them daily to make sure that they're raised in the best way possible, values and principles in the right place. They're growing and maturing, both mentally and physically. It's about spinning those plates, my man. So I'm trying to achieve that while also being present, and I'm finding it difficult at times. But I enjoy the struggle. I enjoy the struggle. Yeah. It's I think like having like usually you mentioned their kids and family. I think having like a strong father figure, like someone like yourself, is like one of the most powerful things out there. Like a strong man and like someone that's got like purpose to like find moments in terms of that is like powerful. You can't be that at all. So like mm-hmm. I knew that was similar to the answer you're gonna give, but uh, yeah, I think it's powerful. You actually mentioned that hundred percent. Nice one, nice one. Right, we're we're getting there. We're getting there. Last last deep one, and then we'll we'll line it up a little bit. So, are you happy? Um, I remember you actually mentioned this. Such as question. Uh, I think I don't really think of that much, but I think it's more of a case of like when you kind of know. I think fulfillment is the biggest thing. Uh, happiness is dopamine, right? And serotonin is that fulfillment. It's like if you chase dopamine, you chase happiness. Like you have extra snack, you have a good, great day. Uh, it's only going to be ebbs and flows, right? So, like, dopamine is that spikes, happiness is spikes, but fulfillment is flow state, is serotonin, it's consistent. So, then I think I don't really chase happiness to chase like the fulfillment factor. And, like, fulfillment for me is like like the five human needs. I, I know which of mine are, uh, but to cover three of them is like uh, significance, growth, contribution. Um, sorry, significance, uh, growth, contribution, belonging, certainty, uncertainty. Uh, my fulfillment happens when there's growth and belonging. I'm around great, great, great people that I look up to and I'm growing. That's when I'm fulfilled. And you can say that's happiness. So uh, right now, 100%, I'm around the best people I can say. And I think uh, there's goals I'm growing and I'm always pushing for more. And that's what I define as happiness. But like, there's always parts where you're like, you have breakdowns and you're like, ah, I don't know if this thing's, thing's going to work and things like that. There's always going to be spikes like that. But I think I don't really, whenever someone asks, oh, how's things? I'm like, yeah, amazing, 11 out of 10. Uh, whether I'm in good or bad moods, I don't really identify as that as important anymore as it used to, because uh, mm-hmm. I think it comes in spikes and it's that dopamine you chase happiness. But when you say serotonin, it's flow state. So. Love that. Love that. Can resonate with that 100%. Right. Let's move it on to the big three cues because success leaves clues, my friend. So, <laughs> first one is talk us through your morning. Have you got a morning routine? Do you do the same thing each morning or are you uh, sporadic? 
very, very similar day today. So I wake up at, uh, not as early as most people do, I know you wake up much earlier, at 6.45, 6.30. And my goal is, as soon as I get up, uh, water, uh, get outside for a walk, and get some sunlight in to like, get the natural rhythm going, and then I go into my biggest task first. So like, for me now, like one of the biggest things that's helped me is like focus on like your weakest habit first and do that big thing first. Um, and that for me is like going for numbers, data, everything like that happened yesterday. Uh, that's my morning routine. So my morning routine for the first half an hour is like wake up, uh, get a little water within the first hour, go for like a walk, get some sunlight, um, have my phone on grayscale so I don't check it, I want to check it. About an airplane mobile is probably grayscale because it's less attractive to look at. It's like that's black and white, that's boring, put it to the side. And then uh, I crack on with the day with like data and like the things that I don't like doing but needs to be done. Uh, that's my routine. Then I go into training like four hours after I wake up, um, after like a big work block. So nice, nice, love that. A lot of similarities in there again. Yeah, biggest tasks first. I'm always um, a big believer in that. I do train a little bit earlier in the day, but again, the hydration first thing after waking. Successful morning routine. Box checked. Yeah. I'll give you that one. We're, uh, we're aligned. Um, like number it. two is, what percentage of the time would you say you're on it? Now, when I ask this question, I mean on it is contributing towards something worthwhile. So if I am, for example, strolling through the park or I'm on the swings at the weekend with my two girls and my missus, that is contributing because that's family time, quality time with my family. It doesn't have to be ahead of the numbers, focused or contributing towards some something worthwhile. Mm, that's a really hard question that just so I can give the right answer do you mean like what percentage of your day your week are you like more focused on growing yeah and... it, it might be a little bit easier to flip it on its head what percentage of your time is wasted on watching fights on YouTube or you know what I mean you know like we get this nonsense <laughs> don't we where people are scrolling Instagram for 40 minutes at a time I've seen it I used to be I'll be completely honest with you but um, it's very rare nowadays I'd say I get distracted quite easily, but I think for me now it's like I really try breaking the task into the start of the day in the evening times. So I know for me, uh, mid-afternoon, I find it hard to do like high-level work. So that's where I'm like, I actually let myself get distracted. So between 3 to 5.30 p.m., that's, I just know that's not going to be creative. It's just going to be like more lower-level tasks. So I think uh, mm. percentage give an exact number but i know what my days looks like in terms of when my highest energy comes so i put my high energy task there low energy tasks low energy like no energy for low energy tasks right so for me let's say if there's a big high energy task like working out i'll put that towards my high energy parts of the day um and then i kind of look at right my energy is low here i'm not gonna push against the tide to feel guilty for not working so i say like if i stay awake for let's say 17 hours probably like four of those are like not on it and the rest, I try to be intentional with it. How about how about yourself? Nice. How about yourself? Um, sort of fluctuates, fluctuates, but is always quite minimal. And it probably plays into what I said a little bit earlier on about trying to strike that balance. Um, I have very little downtime, and some would argue what, that it could lead to burnout. I'm someone who trains seven days a week. I'm someone who mm. works seven days a week. Saturday and Sunday, I try to do a little less. Um, I always only work in the business or work in the financial services or life insurance Saturday mornings up to lunchtime and then Saturday afternoon and most of Sundays free. Still trying to strike a balance, but in terms of percentage, I would say 85 to 90% of my waking hours, I'm on it and contributing towards something worthwhile. We do get the distractions in there. But, uh, yeah. yeah, work in progress. Do you know what I love I that? that? I love that you 
you allocate it, you understand where your lulls are going to be in the day and you allocate it and say, that's all right. If I'm going to procrastinate, that's the time for it. I like that. Yeah. It's, uh, I think like with the downtime as well, it's like, I know for me, if I'm not getting the same task done at the same amount of time, I think it should normally take less time of recovery and taking time doing something else. And like one of the best frames of mind, I think is like, um, rest is like a productive use of time because if you think of it, work means output per unit of time. And if you rest, your output per unit of time goes higher. So actually when you're resting, you're actually being productive. So like, it took me a long time to realize that. And I still go against that. I'm like, ah, oh, that's bullshit. I don't believe it. But it really comes back to it. <laughs> like, that's actually really, really true. Because now I know after, after um, usually at 6 or 8 p.m. after Friday, switch off with the missus, doing something different. After 4 p.m. on Saturday, switch off, do something else, do the missus. So those are my two times every single week where I lock myself to not work and then just block it out. And then usually like a Wednesday evening, I always try to do something no, like something different. Usually go to a different gym, like do a content day um go to a coffee store things like that but i think downtime is the biggest thing i don't think downtime means taking time off it just means doing something different because like i think if someone said to you i guess you'll agree it's like all right switch off don't think you start creating problems you start to think so like switching off is like it's super super hard so the best thing to do is switch onto something else like rather than working you're spending time with the family so when you spend time with the family yeah. present there yeah. you stop thinking about work and when you're working you work when you're not working you don't think about work i think it's like you can get into a place where I don't know who said it, but like, don't think about work when you're on the beach, and don't think about the beach when you're at work. And it's like if you can be present, just know where that's allotted to. That's like where you actually tend to get the most out of it. Then you can be more on it. 100%. Nice, nice. And that's something I'm working towards: being present. Oh. Right. And the last one is name three people, dead or alive, past or present, to sit down to dinner with, in an aid to make the rest of your life as successful as possible. Uh, uh, I could think of one straight away. So it's actually someone actually is not actually my mentor that passed away four days ago. Um, wow. That super shattered me, and uh, he's someone that had the biggest impact uh, this year. Even though it's a small amount of time, is that like, the biggest impact? So that'd be the first one. Like your stories for days, I can literally tell you all the stories he actually mentioned to me. I uh, probably will. Uh, definitely would. Uh, that's the first one, Mr. Colby Waters. Uh, second one, um, there was someone. Do you know Gerard Adams? Not sure I do. He his passion his podcast is called Passionate Curious, and when I was younger, I used to listen to him and took a lot from him. There's one thing he said to me: it was like a man is a man unless they look after their family. And he also had like a lot of energy, but he had a lot of drive at the same time. And he was like, he wasn't that person that looked burnt out and tired. He had just so much energy, and that that was like, I want to become that, and I want mm-hmm. to take that from. Um, third person. <sighs> I'm actually not sure. Um, it's a hard question, that, to be fair. Do most people give three? Um, we normally get three, but we'll leave that one with you. And that's not, we'll, we'll <laughs> dig it out and I'll, I'll throw it on the socials. We'll follow it up. <laughs> we'll follow it up next time around. That's no problem at all. But I love the two you've given there. Very niche, very sort of tailored to yourself and your own personal experiences um, and condolences once again and you lost there. It's always, uh, it's always a hard one. But no, fantastic, mate. Fantastic. That about wraps us up. So just before we do dial off, where can we find you? Social handles, website, etc. So best way would be Instagram, so ir.taza, uh, taza, but the dot after the R. Pretty much on all social media platforms, but Instagram's the one I use mostly. Uh, so it's LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, podcast. Um, pretty much I always try to cover everything. 
Uh, but Instagram would be, be the best place because that's probably where I spend six hours a day. So I saw this green in it and I was like, pass it, but it's the best place. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Nice but, one, guys. Uh, get in touch. Go check him out. Give him a follow. You'll see the transformations on there. Get in touch as to how we can support and help you guys on your own personal journeys. And Ataza, thank you very much, mate. Absolute pleasure. It's been a long time coming, and thank you so much for having me. Um, but I think yeah, it's like this is a conversation that I really look forward to because, like, from when I was twenty-one, that's the last time I actually probably spoke, and uh, that was like, I just need to be around people like yourself around that time. Actually, really helped everything. So. Uh, as much as it's like, thank you for being here, thank you for the invite, and uh, thank you for everything you've done up to lead up. So I appreciate it. Massively. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Nice one. The, the growth is evident. Going to come a long way, mate. Keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. That's the exact thing we're going to do. Take care, bro. <laughs> you too, brother. Good to see you. Bye. Thank you. Take care.